Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. If you have a condition like hypothyroidism or infertility or anxiety or PCOS or whatever it is, you want to heal the root cause of the disease. Today, what happens is medications are given to treat symptoms and change the symptoms, but you actually never heal or, or get completely healthier. In fact, you actually start developing a totally different problem in your body due to the medication. What ancient uh, medicine does or natural medicine is it says, what's the root cause of this issue? Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Chris here, and I am so excited for today's guest interview. I know I've talked quite a bit here on the podcast about healing my own relationship with food and finding balance in my life, but also about dealing with several chronic health conditions, including decades of gut issues, hormonal imbalances, PCOS, and how I found balance through it all. And while I was on my journey to trying to find balance with my health and my wellness, I found that a lot of the options that were given to me by the medical community just weren't necessarily something that I either wanted to embark on, things like medications that had a lot of side effects, or that there were just really no options for me available for things like IBS and PCOS. I mentioned in one podcast episode that when I was diagnosed with PCOS, my doctor basically looked at me and was like, well, you're not overweight, so you don't need to lose weight, so there's not really anything you can do. I was given a dead end to several of my own personal health conditions, and I know that there are so many of my listeners out there who also deal with chronic health conditions and who want to work on healing their body but feel like they might not know a way other than what has been given to them by their doctors and that they're searching for other ways and other options. And I also know that so many moms out there are looking to explore ways to help to support their health and wellness and the health and wellness of their families, their kids, and themselves without using, you know, some of these traditional medications and maybe exploring the world of natural health and then also the world of food as medicine. I think that 
allowing ourselves to look at food from a place of holistic health and as something that can be really supportive of our bodies and our health is a really incredible thing. And it's one of the reasons I love talking about and teaching about food because food can be such a conduit for wellness in our life. And today's guest talks about all of these different things. I'm sure many of you already know Dr. Josh Axe. He is the founder of the world's number one most visited natural health website, draxe.com. He's also a best-selling author of Eat Dirt and the Keto Diet, and he's the co-founder of Ancient Nutrition, which is a supplement company that he co-founded with Jordan Rubin. If you guys don't already know, it is an incredible supplement company. But he also appears regularly on The Dr. Oz Show. He's written for several online publications like Shape and Pop Sugar, HuffPost, Men's Health, Forbes, Business Insider, Muscle and Fitness, Well and Good. He's all over the place, you guys. And he's also a dad himself. His wife is also a doctor. And he's just a wealth of information on the world of natural health. And he has a brand new book called Ancient Remedies. And it's all about how we can learn how to heal our bodies with herbs, with essential oils, with natural medicines, and utilizing food as medicine. And so today, I had him come on and share with me some of his best tips as well as his best remedies for several of the health conditions that are just common complaints with people. We talked about kids, We talked about what is in his natural medicine cabinet and how to gently start to incorporate more real whole foods and more natural medicine into our life in a way that doesn't feel so overwhelming, especially for moms who have kids and people who have families. He shared some of his favorite family-friendly recipes and what his nine-month-old daughter eats as well. I think you guys are going to love this episode. If you're interested at all in natural health and healing, this is definitely going to be an episode for you. I totally nerded out with him, and I think you're going to be right alongside with me if any of that interests you. So I'm so excited to go ahead and dig in. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Josh Axe. Welcome, Dr. Axe. I am so happy to have you on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Hey, Kirsten. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So I love to jump in. We've already been talking for a couple of minutes, but it's always fun to just start with a little icebreaker. So I would love to know what you are reading, Dr. X. Oh, wow. I, I, I read quite a few books. Actually, I just read a book by a friend of mine, Michael Hyatt. It's called Your Best Year Ever. And it's a book about goal setting and leadership. And so I think that's a, that's a great book I'm reading. I also read a book uh, called Born for Significance by Bill Johnson. It's a Christian book, just sort of going through, you know, our calling and purpose to love God, love people, make earth like heaven. And so those are two books uh, I'm currently reading. Oh, that is awesome. Those both sound fantastic. And I haven't read either of them. So I'm going to have to put those on my list. So I am so sure that many of my listeners are already familiar with your work. We're all about balance here. And I know that the majority of my listeners are moms and they care a lot about their health and wellness. But I would love if you would just start by just briefly sharing who you are for anyone who might not know and what you're really passionate about bringing to the world. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm yeah, Dr. Josh Axe. I run a website called draxe.com where our focus is teaching people how to use food as medicine. I also co-own and co-founded a nutrition company with my uh, good friend of mine, Jordan Rubin. It's called Ancient Nutrition, where we create uh, collagen and turmeric and ashwagandha and multivitamins and probiotics and all kinds of different superfood products for people to help them transform their health. And I used to have a full-time practice. I ran a functional medicine practice in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, a family practice, taking care of a lot of uh, a lot of moms bringing their kids in, a lot of dads bringing the you know the whole families coming in. And so my passion has always been really taking care of families and helping entire families uh, transform their health and life. I love that so much. I am personally a fan of your supplements. I love your bone broth protein. I use it often in my smoothies. Um, And uh, so I've been following your work for a long time, like I told you before we officially started recording. Um, And your website is such a wealth of information. And I think it is one of those go-to resources, especially because I do work with a lot of moms for 
natural health information for people who are looking beyond just kind of this world of Western medicine, which has its place for sure when we need it. But I think a lot more people, especially nowadays, are realizing that you know, Western medicine only goes so far, but like you talk about in your newest book that we're going to talk about, there is a lot to be said about some of these ancient remedies that we might have like right in front of us that we could actually use for health and healing. And I think a lot of moms are really interested in introducing that to their kids. I know that personally, it's something that I've been interested in even before I had kiddos. So I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old, but it's been really interesting to learn more about what we can do to kind of help my family's health just from what we what we have really readily available before even turning to medications or things like that. So I already showed you, I have your book right here. It just came out last week at the time of recording. So yeah. I really just started digging into it. Um, I actually showed it to my mom earlier today and she's going through it and she's like, oh my gosh, this is so good. So <laughs> we're all really excited to to dig into it. Um, but I love that right in the introduction of your book, you share a little bit about your family history and that you didn't necessarily grow up where there were, uh, were ancient remedies or even natural medicine was really the norm. A lot of your family was just, you know, interested in utilizing Western medicine and they kind of followed that to a T, but they still ended up with a lot of chronic ailments. Um, And I actually can relate to that a ton because I grew up in a family of pharmacists. I have several pharmacists in my family and it was like a pill for every ill, but they're still not necessarily the healthiest people. And I can say that for um, several family members. So Then you talk a little bit about, and I'm sure the listeners can go ahead and and read your book and you're going to talk more about it, but you also share a personal story about your mom and how she struggled with cancer and how you were, you got a little bit more interested in these remedies while you were in school um, as she was going through cancer. So can you expand on that a little bit more? Can you share a little bit more about how you personally got interested and invested in this world of natural medicine and ancient remedies? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, my family growing up was really ingrained in what I'll call the medical model. Like anytime we were sick, we, we knew nothing about nutrition. We just, we, you know, we went to our doctor, got prescribed a drug. So I was always, you know, being given antibiotics. My, my, my parents were on medications and we didn't know there was a natural way, but at 41 years old, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, which was such a shock to us at the time, because my mom was very fit. Like my mom was my mm-hmm. gym teacher in elementary school. She was a swim instructor. So looked fit, but we got that diagnosis and she went through all the traditional medical treatment. She had a mastectomy. She went through rounds and rounds and rounds of chemotherapy. And I can still remember this day as a kid seeing her hair fall out and just Mm. thinking, I never want to see anyone go through that again. You know, and praise God, God brought her through it and she was diagnosed as being cancer free and healthy. But the crazy thing, Kristen, was after all the treatments, she actually seemed like she was worse. Mm. My mom got put on uh, over the next 10 to 15 years, got put on antidepressant medications, got put on anti-anxiety drugs, had th- you know had thyroid issue, hypothyroidism, got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, digestive issues. And my mom was just sick and tired all the time. And finally, seeing my mom like that growing up made me say, I want to I help people like my mom and families. Like, I, I want to be part of the solution. So I went to school, you know, uh, became a doctor, opened a functional medicine clinic. But right before I went and opened my clinic, like a, a semester or two before, I get a call from my mom. And she calls me in tears and she says, Josh, I've got bad news. I've been diagnosed with cancer again and as she was crying on the phone. And she said, what do I do? Because she knew I was obviously in this world. And so I flew home. I grew up in Ohio. I was in Florida, th- flew back. We sat down, we prayed together. We talked about it. We felt very led to take care of her all naturally. So that's what we started doing. So with my mom, we, she started juicing vegetables. Uh, we had her start doing like her diet was pretty much vegetable juices, cooked vegetables, berries, um, uh, some, a little bit of wild salmon and bone broth. And that was the biggest part of her diet. I mean, it was a lot of that. And then, and then I started doing so much research at the time, Chris, and I started studying natural remedies for cancer and ancient diets for cancer. And I came across some amazing things, started reading about, uh, you know, things like turmeric and its anti-cancer properties, reishi mushroom, astragalus, 
uh, green tea and some others. And so we, she started using those as supplements. And then um, we also, we worked on a lot of things, her mindset for healing and emotional healing. And But we went through a whole program for four months, went back to her oncologist. They redid a CT scan and their exact words were when they called the next day, this is highly unusual. We don't typically see this, but your tumors have shrunk by more than half. She wow. went back, and so they said, keep doing what you're doing. We want to see you again in nine months. Went back nine months later, complete remission. So today my mom's in the best shape of her life. She's in her late sixties. In fact, she's in town. I'm in Nashville right now. She's in town visiting from Florida. She wanted to see, I, we just had a, uh, my daughter Arwen, who's about nine and a half months old. And so, you know, she loves seeing her, <laughs> her granddaughter and, uh, so anyways, that being said, you know, I, I think that that experience was just so profound for myself and for our family and why today we live in a state of always taking care of our health, especially with our diet and nutrition is such a key role. And one of the things you mentioned earlier too, I just want to say this about the medical system is today we sort of get in this state of being brainwashed by all the commercials and thinking, hey, what's popular is right. If everybody's doing it, that doesn't mean it's right. In fact, typically it means it's wrong. You know, when you look at the side effects of medications, one of the things I go through in the book here in the first chapter is I just state when you take a medication, every single medication has a side effect. In fact, there isn't a single medication. Think about it. It's a, it's, a, it's a toxin. All medications are. Everyone has a side effect. And here's one of the big side effects. All medications deplete your body of certain nutrients. Now, it's different for every medication, but one of the things I cover in the book is I'll give you an example. If you've ever taken an antibiotic drug, here's what your body gets depleted of. Folate, which think about this, this is important for fertility and for child development. So it depletes your body of folate number one, as well as vitamin B1, B2, B6, B12, calcium, magnesium, potassium, zinc, and gut bacteria. I mean, zinc is so crucial for our immune system. So is gut bacteria. So if you've taken an antibiotic, all of those nutrients are now depleted in your system, but no doctor ever tells you that. Same thing, even birth control pills. The side effect of birth control pills is they kill good bacteria. They also kill B2, B3, B12, vitamin C, magnesium, and zinc. And they also cause yeast overgrowth in your body and candida as a side effect. But doctors don't tell anyone that. And so here's the thing as well. Most medications, actually, the idea of them come from herbs and spices or plants. Mm -hmm. For instance, aspirin today, they got the idea from a compound found in birch or, or wintergreen, so the bark of a tree, they, and now they make it synthetically. But when they make it synthetically, there are now all of these extra side effects that people don't realize. And here's the last thing I'll, I'll say about this is that, you know, up until one, and I'm serious about this, up until 100 years ago, when somebody used the word medicine, they actually meant herbs and spices. Mm -hmm. If you went into an apothecary in Greece, in Israel, in Japan, in any of those places, or the USA, you went, in, you went into an ancient pharmacy, you would find things like peppermint and lavender and these natural remedies. And so again, when we're talking about medicine, uh, medicine in the first line of defense should be herbs, spices, and diet, and these sort of things. Re really conventional should sort of be the alternative or the secondary thing we do mm -hmm. in order to take care of our health. Yeah, I love that. You know what's so cool? Um, my grandfather was a pharmaceutical professor at our local university, the one I ended up going to actually for years and years. And I remember um, he would take me in to work with him on occasion. And just outside the pharmacy building, they had an, an herb garden with all of these different herbs that were used originally as medicine. And so, you know, and there's you know, everyone is different and there are holistic pharmacists out there and everyone, you know, everyone sure. comes from a different space when it comes to, you know, medications and, and things like that. Um, but I just found it so fascinating that oftentimes it feels like it's like medicine is over here and then natural medicine is over here. But so much of medicine was derived from these natural compounds and we just, we forget that association. So could you explain just a little bit more for maybe the woman listening who is, Okay, so that's the medical model. Then what is what is natural medicine? You talked a little bit about okay, it initially was things like peppermint and lavender and aspirin came from, you know, the, sure. the tree and so what is what is natural medicine then? And I guess how can we think about just start to think about utilizing some of this natural medicine in our in our modern world? 
Yeah. Well, one of the big things I cover in my new book, Ancient Remedies, is how to heal the root cause of disease. That's the big thing. Because if you have a condition like hypothyroidism or infertility or anxiety or PCOS or whatever it is, you want to heal the root cause of the disease. Today, what happens is medications are given to treat symptoms and change the symptoms, but you actually never heal or, or get completely healthier. In fact, you actually start developing a totally different problem in your body due to the medication. What ancient uh, medicine does or natural medicine is it says, what's the root cause of this issue? Let me give you an example with um, uh, PC, you know, you know, let me use fertility and PCOS. They're very similar in terms of the root cause there. So the root cause tends to be uh, insulin and an insulin issue. Uh, so related to your uh, pancreas and the other issue is the re uh, an issue related to your reproductive organs like your ovaries and uterus. Okay. And so those are the organ systems most affected. Well, today, typically medications can be given for PCOS, for inflammation, sometimes hormones, uh, those sort of things that those never actually heal or address the issue versus, okay, how do we balance insulin? Well, you need to a diet. You got to get rid of the carbs. You got to increase foods that uh, are high in fiber, fat, and protein. Those are the three things, fiber, fat, protein, and nutrients. So you're going to do a lot of vegetables. You're going to do some wild organic meat. Herbs like cinnamon are incredible for, for blood sugar and, and supporting the pancreas. Fenugreek and turmeric are good for the pancreas as well. Holy basil. So all of those things are going to support insulin along with a diet. And then if the issue is more related to the reproductive organs, certain herbs really work by balancing estrogen and progesterone. A lot of women with fertility issues have estrogen that's too high and progesterone that's too low. And there's an herb called Vitex, also known as chasberry, which really works in a powerful way at supporting those progesterone levels, helping get those estrogen levels down. There's another herb called clary sage, which can be good, uh, and, and many, many others. But so a natural practitioner is going to say, okay, let me look at the root cause here. There's an issue with insulin. That's a hormone, by the way. Insulin's a hormone. There's an issue with progesterone, estrogen. estrogen. Let me balance those hormones using food as medicine. Let's give the foods that help balance out. Let's do the herbs and spices. And by the way, we know that when cortisol spikes, when you get in a stress state with worry or anxiety or fear, that's also going to affect the body. So, hey, let's do our best to calm stress by journaling or going for walks or, hey, you need to do, you know, clear out your schedule, start doing lunch with a best friend and take time for you. So, so that's what ancient medicine is. It's because, listen, all, the other thing is a lot of health conditions today are emotional and ancient practitioners knew that. And I get into how to heal the emotions as well in the book. So for instance, and we know this, by the way, when I say this, everyone's going to say, I didn't realize I knew this, but you did. Different, what causes different conditions today is not, is rarely genetics. Genetics contribute, but the different types of emotions you experience are greater contributors to deciding the type of disease you develop if you de develop any at all. For instance, why does one person get uh, an issue of the lungs, another of the breast, another person prostate, another person gut, another person brain, different areas of the body? Why would one person get, if they had breast cancer, cancer on the left side and, and not the right or the right and not the left? Why is that? It's the emotions you experience. So think about this, the emotion of fear. It's a very specific emotion, fear. What organ system does that affect? It's your adrenal glands. It puts your body in a fight or flight state. So if you stay in a fight or flight state, the organ that is taxed is your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands kind of work like a battery. Imagine the battery on your phone. Where is it at? Is it at 90, 70, 50, 30? And then the adrenals supply hormones and energy to all of the other organ systems. So if your adrenal battery is low, fear is at the, at the root of it. And so here's the deal. You can even eat a lot of the right things and that'll help, but you still have to address the emotional fear to completely heal. So fear affects mm -hmm. the adrenals. Fear also, if it's more of an anxiety type of fear, affects your bladder. Think about if a child gets really scared mm -hmm. at night, what can happen? They can actually wet the bed if they have a nightmare. Or think about this, if somebody worries a lot, what would somebody say if they are, they are worrying about something? They'll say, I feel like my stomach is tied in knots. They'll actually get an upset stomach and digestive system. Or if somebody has a lot of anger, it affects the liver and gallbladder. Think about if somebody has anxiety or nervousness, blood pressure goes up. So that affects mm -hmm. the heart and cardiovascular system. And here's a big one, the last one, grief. 
So something has happened to you in the past and you're still living it with today. It could be a, a abused physically or emotionally. It could be you wanted something to happen in your life or something bad happened and you still haven't moved on from it or unforgiveness. You're sort of living in the past. Those all affect your immune system, your lungs and your colon. Mm. And so healing those, I actually had a patient I worked with and she was uh, dealing with so much grief because her daughter moved off to college and her daughter was her best friend and she didn't see her much anymore. And it was still weighing on her years later. And because of it, she had developed an autoimmune disease. And when she was able to have a breakthrough there, see her daughter more, overcome that sense of loss in that relationship, her immune system all of a sudden improved and her autoimmune disease completely reversed. So I just wanted to say healing is absolutely, nutrition is one of the biggest factors, but healing emotionally is really critical as well. And I really get into my book, not only like, so for instance, in my book, I go through, if somebody has, you know, I'll give you an example here, um, PCOS, because I said that earlier, mm -hmm. um, PCOS, the root cause of it, as I mentioned, was those two organ systems. But um, let me see if I can find it. Here we go. PCOS. So I go through the foods. I go through the root cause emotionally and what to do to heal the emotion. I go through the foods that harm. I go through the foods that heal. I then go through the top five prescriptions. So for PCOS, it's Vitex, holy basil. There's actually a Chinese medicine formula with Don Kwai, which is really healing. Uh, and so anyways, I go through that. I go through the essential oils, the lifestyle practices. So anyways, I know it's a long answer, but an ancient practitioner, if we're we're really focusing on healing the root cause of disease and using food as medicine. And also, I guess I'll call it mindset medicine to heal as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love all of that so much. And I love that you use the example of PCOS because that's something that I've actually dealt with for the last, um, I guess, four years now. I was diagnosed with PCOS almost unexpectedly, um, but it's interesting because when I was diagnosed with PCOS myself, a lot of the um, health issues that I had had in the past sort of started making sense. So I have, like I mentioned, I have two kiddos and I had some complications with my first pregnancy. I had gestational diabetes and I had some issues no. with progesterone. And thankfully she is a healthy and happy seven-year-old now, but it was a really stressful and a really difficult pregnancy. And once I was diagnosed with PCOS and I actually got it under control using only natural modalities because I actually went in to... Um, my, uh, she's a, she's a midwife, but she works kind of as a gynecologist. And I brought my test results to her and she's looking them over. And she, she said to me, she's like, well, you're not overweight. So you can't, you know, there, there's not really anything to do here. So she's like, there's not really, there was really nothing. She gave me nothing. <laughs> she was like, I guess you're yeah. just going to have to live with this. And I was like, okay, the only solution was, well, you know, if you're overweight, you lose weight or the choice was to go on medication. I was like, you know what? I think that I can, I know that there are other things I can do. I've studied holistic nutrition. And so I ended up going to see a naturopath and some of the supplements you mentioned were some of the things that I integrated in, but the biggest changes that I made from personally were reducing stress overall. Um, and also um, balancing my blood sugar. Those are some of the biggest things that I did. And I get asked a lot, you know, um, do you still struggle with PCOS? Do you still deal with the symptoms? And as long as I am managing my stress and managing my blood sugar, then no, I don't experience the symptoms anymore. And I was able to get pregnant a second time and have a completely smooth pregnancy with my three-year-old. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I just got my hormones under control. But I know that, you know, it was shocking to hear that my only options were lose weight or medication, but that's not true. There are so many other options. So I love that you use that example because it is really personal to me, yeah. but also to so many of the women I know in my community, because I, I have so many women reach out to me and ask for more information on things like PCOS and hormone balance. And I'm not the expert on that, though I do have some personal experience. Um, I love that you are encouraging people that they're that to look beyond what might just be presented to them at the doctor's office, that there there is another way and that there are other options for them. So I would love if we could just dig a little bit into, you already gave some really great examples when it came to PCOS and hormone balance, but what do you consider to be some of the most potent kind of forms of natural medicine available? So you mentioned herbs. So what are some of the, like the, the different forms of natural medicine that are available and maybe what is in your kind of go-to natural medicine kit? What do you recommend people keep around for kind of those, I guess, everyday things? I know that there's, there's, 
going deeper and going to the root cause, but what do you kind of keep in your um, natural medicine cabinet? Well, my, you know, my, my natural medicine cabinet's pretty, uh, pretty full. So I'll share that. And then I'll share maybe some, some, for some really common conditions, some, some of the best remedies for those. So in my cabinet right now, I, again, I couldn't list them all because it would take a while, but I have lots of things. I mean, the things I, I, let me share the things I take the most and my wife takes the most. My wife is a, is a doctor as well. She's uh, Dr. Chelsea Axe. In fact, she's a great person to follow on Instagram and see what our family does for our health. But, um, uh, I, I typically do, uh, a multi-collagen protein or a bone broth protein. So I do those every morning in a smoothie. I do an organic, su- uh, an organic super greens powder. I tend to do a soil based probiotic. Um, those are some of the ones I probably take the most. In addition, then I'll do some herbals. I do turmeric. Um, I do astragalus pretty frequently. I do matcha green tea in the morning. I love matcha. So I'll, 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 I'll drink that. Um, and those are probably the things that I personally do the most. My wife, she tends to do a multi, uh, she does co- multi-collagen protein uh, and a multivitamin. Um, after pregnancy, because we have a nine-month-old, um, she did a lot of things to help build her blood. And so we have a, we had a natural blood builder supplement. Uh, Ancient Nutrition is the brand I co-founded, and that's what she took. And so that has things like uh, anyways, all the good things, the, and all of our supplements are more food based. So mm. really easy to absorb and digest. So again, she took a blood builder for a while. Um, and, uh, let me think what else she's taking right now. Um, you know, she tends to do a turmeric and sometimes she'll do ashwagandha just to support her adrenals and thyroid. So I would say those are probably the ones we consume. We, we take the most in our house. Um, and then in addition, um, but, but between b- both of us, collagen and probiotics are probably the ones that we consume the most. Um, in terms of a few conditions, if you have an inflammatory condition, turmeric is the best. Uh, along with turmeric, uh, ginger is great. Rosemary is great. But I, I think, and then another one is CBD oil. CBD oil has some really great anti-inflammatory benefits. That's another one. If I'm having a stressful day or want to get a better night's sleep, I do our ancient nutrition certified organic CBD oil. Um, I would say I, uh, for, um, for hormonal health for women, let's talk about premenopausal, premenopausal, mm-hmm. general hormones. You know, I think Vitex Chasberry is one of the best for balancing progesterone and estrogen cinnamon for insulin. Um, holy basil is a, just another good adaptogen, but for, and then for thyroid ashwagandha, for sure. Number one, ashwagandha really is that herb that addresses the root cause there for men who, you know, a lot of men struggle with low testosterone. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, and you can tell if a man has low testosterone, it tends to be, they just, a lot of times they're not as motivated as they used to be. They just sort of lack that same energy, um, and just confidence sometimes too, and strength. And so, uh, they're not as active. So with that, there's some things that definitely help men herbal wise, um, fenugreek and ashwagandha together. And then if they're over 50 fenugreek and ginseng, but those are the herbs that are really going to help with male fertility and just hormones, generally speaking as well. And when we're talking about gut, uh, when we're talking about, um, gut health, I really like astragalus and ginger. Those mm-hmm. two in particular, licorice root extract is also great for sleep. I like CBD oil and lavender essential oil. I think are really, really good remedies for brain health. Ginkgo biloba is really powerful in lion's mane mushroom. And for anti-cancer herbs, I really like, uh, well, as a mushroom, I like uh, I like reishi and I like cordyceps and maitake. And for herbs, I like turmeric and galangal are probably the two most powerful anti-cancer herbs. And for our immune system, obviously today that's so important. The nutrients that are most important would be vitamin D and zinc followed by vitamin C. So vitamin D, zinc, and vitamin C. And then also from a herbal standpoint, elderberry, echinacea, astragalus, probably the most powerful for the immune system. Oh my gosh. So much good information there. I know I'm going to get to re-listen to this right away. So I'm going to take notes and write all of these down. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing what, what you guys take. And then some of those 
you know, kind of general good remedies. I have a couple of follow-up questions, some things that I'm curious about. So um, I mentioned that personally, I struggle with PCOS and that's something I know a lot of the women in my community struggle with as well. And then I've also dealt with some gut issues before, and I've heard a lot of conflicting information on probiotics. And, you know, when I was in holistic nutrition school, it was basically just what I learned was take a quality probiotic, make sure it's one that was that's in the refrigerator. But a lot has changed about probiotics since, you know, since, oh gosh, it was like seven or eight years ago now, eight years ago now. So you mentioned a soil-based probiotic. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of the importance of maybe probiotics for gut health? And you mentioned, um, you know, some other herbs as well, but can you just talk a little bit about probiotics and what to look for? Because I know that that's a question that I think a lot of people have. Yeah, well, the big thing I look for with su- with supplementation is what are we missing? Okay, because here's the deal: vitamin D. If someone lives in South Florida or Arizona and they're out in the sun every day, they don't need vitamin D, right? It's not missing in their diet. It's not mi- it's not missing. With probiotics, I think that there are two types. There are food based probiotics that you're going to get via fermentation, so turning. Mm-hmm cabbage into sauerkraut or milk into yogurt or kefir. Okay. So, so we have that, but then there are soil based probiotics that are literally found in our soil that throughout history, we've gotten up until we've started shipping foods from Mexico and China and they're being sprayed and those sort of things. So, but before that we would go to our local farmer's market or our own garden, and that's where we got these foods. So we would pull carrots from the ground and beets and they would still have a little bit of dirt on them. Even if you washed carrots off or beets or lettuce or any of those things, you'll notice there's little brown specks embedded in those. Those are actually soil-based organisms. They're probiotics that are found in the soil that attach themselves to food that actually, according to studies, help us better digest food and absorb nutrients. Mm. And so, you know, here's the thing. I think probiotics are good, generally speaking, but food-based probiotics, we tend to get more in our diet. Soil-based probiotics due to shopping at grocery stores and not our farmer's market and all of those things, we tend to get very little soil-based probiotics. Here's the other unique thing. Food-based probiotics, uh, they're not as resilient. And so when you consume them, they tend to be killed off by heat or your digestive, uh, by, by acid in your digestive system. Mm. So they rarely make it. In fact, studies have shown this, that a lot, a lot of these probiotic supplements, the regular probiotics, very little are alive at time of, by the time they're on the shelf and very little are alive by the time they make it to your colon versus soil-based organisms are heat resistant and acid resistant. So almost all of them make it from your mouth all the way through your colon. So that being said, soil-based probiotics, I think are the most powerful probiotics as well. In fact, Jordan Rubin, my, uh, one of my best friends who co-founded ancient nutrition with me, he healed himself of a serious digestive issue using these types of probiotics. And so that being said, I've seen the best results in my life, the thousands of and thousands of people I've cared for over the years, I've seen the biggest results with. So I think soil-based probiotics are the ones we're most in need of. And soil-based probiotics are found in a few foods, one of them being miso or natto. It's in a lot of the Asian or Japanese um, uh, food dishes which again, we know that they live longer than anyone else in the world. And part of that, I believe, is due to their consumption of soil-based probiotics. Oh, that's so interesting. My husband's actually half Japanese. Um, and I remember we were at his grandmother's house, who is Japanese. Um, it was a couple of years ago, and she made us a big dinner, and there was some rice, and it had some like little pieces of something in it. And we asked her what it was, and she was like, oh, that's just my take mushroom. I'm like, just just mixed yeah. on in with your rice, isn't it? <laughs> like some medicinal mushrooms just mixed on in. But I mean, it's just, you know, there's so many traditional foods around the world that are just natural for them to eat something like a medicinal mushroom or miso and natto and things like that. Yep. I would, I did not have growing up in New England. My, you know, I'm mostly Irish and English and, you know, I have a little bit Middle Eastern, so I got a little bit of that in there. Um, but I did not grow up with a traditional, a lot of those traditional traditional type foods. So I had no idea what they, what they were until I got a little bit older. So that's so, that's so interesting. So I'm curious when it does come to soil-based probiotics, if we're, you know, not eating some really great traditional Japanese food and getting them in our diet, (laughs) can kids take those? Is it possible to get them into our kiddos? And is it important that our kids get probiotics? 
You know, I, I think one of the things to remember about probiotics as well, what's just as important as probiotics or even more important to a degree is creating an environment in the gut that allows probiotics to thrive. So most kids, uh, you know, if they're born, uh, and, and again, this, this actually can matter. If, if a child is born um, naturally versus C-section, you know, when, when they're going through the womb, they're getting exposed to a lot of probiotics. Uh, even when they're eating dirt, like my daughter, and I'm, you know, if all the moms on here and dads that, you know, they're, she puts everything in her mouth. There's not a single <laughs> yes. thing I'm like that she is not putting in her mouth constantly. So she's getting these microbe exposures constantly. And if she's get, getting, you know, breast milk, if she's eating good food, and by the way, I, I always want to say this, I know not everybody's in the position where they're able to breastfeed. I know not everyone's in the position to where that they, they were able to have a, uh, you know, a, a birth to where, uh, they, they had to do C-section. So I want to be aware of that. So the good news is there's always things you can do to, to, you know, to, to support your child and getting those things as well. So all that being said, I think that um, it's important to remember, it's really facilitating and creating a gut that helps the growth of those probiotics because really kids will get a lot early on. Now, if a child is put on a prescription antibiotic, it is really critical that they take a probiotic, very mm -hmm. critical in my, uh, in my mind. And so, and that being said, there are kids probiotics you can buy, um, you know, but, but really they're just lower dosages than the adults. And typically kids can actually take a higher dose generally speaking, but cause we're talking about th there are trillions of bacteria in our guts, even in kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but all that being said, I think, you know, kids, if they're getting a lot of vegetables, uh, and certain fruits, really their gut should be thriving. I mean, again, so it's like, you know, our daughter right now, her favorite foods, we're, we're, she's eating you know, green beans and sweet potatoes and salmon. Those are like her three favorite. Mm -hmm. And then, but again, she's eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit, uh, a little bit of rice and some things like salmon and uh, beef and a little chicken broth. And like, that's what she's eating. And her gut is going to be really healthy. So mm -hmm. anyways, I, I would say for most parents with kids, I would focus first on, just getting a lot of vegetables and some fruit, low glycemic fruits in the diet. And then if they're ever put on it, let's, let's say they uh, have an issue like eczema or they uh, got put on an antibiotic. That's when you absolutely want to be proactive about getting them on a probiotic. Mm, oh, such good advice. I think this is a really good time then to transition to talking a little bit more about food um, because you mentioned earlier food as medicine. So I mentioned that I have a background in holistic nutrition and also in the culinary world. So I love talking about food just in general, but I also love talking about food as medicine. So can you share, you shared some of the foods that your daughter eats. Can you share maybe some of the top foods that you recommend? I know you have an entire website with so many ideas for nutrient dense foods, but what are some of the top foods you recommend for better health and maybe why? So, you know, if you could choose the top few foods, you're like, these are the foods that we should be eating every week or on a regular basis for sure. improving our health. What do you, what do you think? Sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to answer this, but I also want to just say, say a couple of quick things I think are pretty interesting, but number one, um, you know, food is medicine for different people. Everybody's unique. So one of the things I get to in my book is people will take a quiz and they'll find out which element they are in Chinese medicine. So the book really dives into Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, biblical medicine, Greek. I get into all of this, but also here's the truth. There's not one single diet or food that's perfect for anybody. Mm -hmm. And I'd ask everybody this, have you ever had a friend do a diet and it worked incredibly well for them? You tried the same thing and it did not work for you. Yes, because that because you're a unique individual. And I really believe ancient nutrition is all about personalized nutrition. You should have mm -hmm. a customized plan. And one of the things I do cover in my new book here is I really get into, you take a quiz early on and you find out which diet and foods are right for you. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a customized approach in here. And by the way, you guys should check it out. The, the book right now is in uh, stores nationwide. It's for sale on Amazon. In fact, I think it's like $7 off maybe for just this week on Amazon. So you guys can just search Dr. Axe Ancient Remedies. And we had Dr. Oz wrote the forward to the book. He rarely endorses books and he did. He was so excited about it. We just had Carrie Underwood, 
uh, post about the book, Sean Johnson East, who's a good friend of ours, an Olympic gymnast. So all that being said, I think first thing I would do is I would get the book and find out which diet plan's right for you. I have mm -hmm. meal plans in there, recipes. I have all of those things. Now, here's what's interesting. You can tell which foods are right for you based on that quiz, but also based on what is the condition you're dealing with. Ancient physicians knew how to prescribe foods on three things, the shape of the food, the color of the food, and the flavor of the food, knowing which foods are best medicine for you. Let me give you an example of this. If somebody is having an, a, um, well, let, let, me, let me get into this. So let's start with shape of food. So the shape of the food will tell you which organ system it's best for and healing for what condition. So think about this, a walnut. A walnut looks like a head. You crack it open. It's got two sides to it. It looks like the left and right hemisphere of your brain. Uh, walnuts are loaded with choline, vitamin E, omega-3 fatty acids. They've been proven in clinical studies to boost memory and focus. So you know, if you want to heal your brain, you should be eating walnuts. Similar thing, a coconut. Coconut looks like a head. You crack it open. It's got all of this white uh, meat inside that's full of medium chain fatty acids that your brain loves for fuel and a liquid inside that actually looks like cerebral spinal fluid and helps hydrate your body. It's a natural electrolyte drink. Uh, think about a tomato. This is incredible. A tomato has four chambers. Your heart has four chambers. It's the color red. And it contains a compound called lycopene, which has been shown to reduce your risk of a stroke and heart attack and heal your body. Think about celery. Hold up a stalk of celery to your forearm. It looks like your bones. Uh, celery is the most alkaline of all of the vegetables. It's rich in vitamin K and calcium, which builds your bone density. Uh, think about this reishi mushroom. If you would Google search, what does a reishi mushroom look like? It looks like your kidneys or your adrenal glands that sit on there. In Chinese medicine for over 3000 years, it's been known to be the number one mushroom for your adrenal glands and increasing your lifespan. They called it the mushroom of immortality. Think about a few others. Uh, an avocado looks like a uterus. Avocados are loaded with magnesium and potassium, which cause the uterus to relax, and monounsaturated fats or omega 9s, which support hormonal health. Olives look like ovaries. They contain unique polyphenols, which protect against ovarian cancer and boost fertility. And then figs, they look like testes. You open those up, they look like they have little sperm inside. In Roman culture, those were consumed for supporting uh, libido and, um, and, and anti aging in men. And so, and I could go there, there are so many. My others. mind is it's so incredible. blown. <laughs> and I cover this. I have a whole chart. That one thing I did in the book is I have a lot of graphs, a lot of charts showing mm -hmm. you which foods are medicine for which conditions. But a few others here. So, the shape of, uh, so we talked about shape, the color of food, foods that are green are most beneficial for your liver and gallbladder for detoxification. Foods that are red support the heart and cardiovascular system. Foods that are orange, the upper digestive system. Foods that are yellow, the immune system. So think about best foods for your immune system off the top of your head. Chicken soup, right? Chicken bone broth, what color is it? Yellow. Garlic, it's yellow. Ginger, it's yellow. These foods all support the miso soup. The, the, you know, these things are all yellow, support your immune system. And then foods that are dark blues and dark purples, very good for your hormonal system. So blueberries, black rice, those sort of foods, very, very nourishing. Seaweed, even to a degree, is actually both adrenal and liver. But so so you can tell in that. And then flavors. Sour activates your digestive system. Umami, which is sort of that taste of like uh, chicken broth or, or raw cheese, that sort of taste that's activates your immune system. Um, uh, bitter activates your heart and cardiovascular system, salty, your kidneys and adrenals. And then a uh, sweet is your pancreas and not the sweet you're thinking of. A lot of times you think, well, I thought sweet was bad for the pancreas. No, it's the sort of sweet you have with cinnamon or butternut squash or sweet, but it's, it's a mild sweet. But then if you do too much of a flavor, it actually starts to tax that organ system. Mm -hmm. So anyways, but in the book, I go through all the different food medicines for, for many different uh, conditions and health goals. Oh my gosh, my mind is so blown. This is so cool. <laughs> From a culinary perspective too, I, I know that we learn about the different tastes and balancing the different flavors, but it's so cool to hear it from that food as medicine perspective. You know, I, I did 
study holistic nutrition, but we didn't go this deep into things. You know, I learned a little bit about Ayurveda and they talk a little bit about, you know, the different the difference in our, our bodies and our constitutions and things that are, are good for us based on our uniqueness. And that's something that I've carried through. And, you know, I talk a lot here on the podcast about finding your unique balance, you know, what works really well for you. And so I love that you take that really individualized approach to everything, to, you know, the supplements and then also to, to the foods that we eat. And I'm just, I'm now I'm just thinking of all different foods and their shapes and their colors and, (laughs) and what they might help. So that is so cool. I love that. So are there foods? So on the opposite side of things, okay. I want to, I want to kind of I don't love this term, but kind of play the devil's advocate and go on the other side of things and go, are there maybe some foods that you see? I know that everyone's individual, right? But are there more common foods that you see are regularly detrimental for your patients or the patients that you've worked with in the past and maybe what some of those issues are? So where we've got these foods that we're And I'm all about focusing on adding, not subtracting. I like that kind of positive approach to health and wellness and go, okay, how can we add in the things that are going to support where we need the support? But what are some of those things that you tend to see causing more problems? Maybe even some of the more uncommon things. Like we know that if we eat buckets of sugar, it's probably not great for our bodies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So some of the most common foods and in Chinese medicine, I'm going to list off some of these, but they're known as dampening foods. And dampening foods tend to really cause mucus and phlegm or candida to grow in the body. So I would say um, wheat products. Wheat is very dampening. Now, gluten, part of it is that sticky protein, and and that causes issues. But just wheat in general is very dampening. And then white flour. So wheat and white flour products or wheat is really an issue for that reason. The other big one is conventional dairy. Uh, dairy is also very dampening, builds up mucus and phlegm in the body, very hard on the gut and digestive tract, partly from lactose, casein, but also a lot of other things. So that's that's an issue. Um, genetically modified organisms, especially corn, soy, and canola, 90 plus percent of those crops are genetically modified. So they have the DNA of different viruses and uh, and uh, sort of anti-pesticides in them. And what that does to our own DNA, it's very hard. It's very hard on our gut and digestive system. So I would say staying away from those genetically modified foods. Another big one, this might surprise some people, doing too many sugar alcohols like xylitol and erythritol. I see a lot of people that go keto or low carb. They try and replace sugar with that. I think you're much much better off replacing those things with uh, monk fruit or doing a little sweetener, like a little honey, but just not too much. So uh, xylitol, those sugar alcohols kill off good bacteria in the gut. So they're very hard on the digestive system. So that would be another one. And then I would just say the other, the big, one of the big things is we'll go to, I know probably a lot of people listening to this are into natural health. We're more educated on natural health, but you might go to a place like whole foods market or your local health food store and buy a bag of those chips that are there. But a lot of these chips use sunflower oil and safflower oil that are actually still, they're high in omega-6 fatty acids, and they're going to cause inflammation in your body still and cause you to gain weight. So the thing that really affects our hormones and our metabolism is when we consume a lot of omega-6 fats, especially in carbohydrates together. So I would say you got to be careful even with the healthy snack foods. Now, there are some really good healthy snack foods that are found at places like Whole Foods and and Sprouts and natural health food stores. But but you just got to be cautious of a lot of the sunflower, safflower oil, a lot of those those specific oils that are found in different products that are carb-rich. I would say those are some of the biggest that, that I see people making mistakes with. Mm, Yeah, such good advice. And I found for myself, it felt kind of overwhelming when I learned some of these things years ago. And it was like, oh my gosh, I've got to reduce these refined seed oils. Because as I mentioned, I have struggled with some symptoms that are exacerbated by inflammation. Um, And going, okay, I've got to reduce these, these seed oils. And I know gluten doesn't work very well for me. And thinking about all these things, it seems so overwhelming. But nowadays, there are so many good options out there. It's just about that awareness going, okay, how can I choose something that 
doesn't have canola oil, maybe just make one new choice at the grocery store every yeah. time. I know that um, just before this, actually, I do a, a cooking video on Instagram every Thursday. And so I did a live video and I shared my homemade avocado oil mayonnaise. So I love making like a chicken salad for lunch at home. And I make mayonnaise at home with an egg and lemon juice and a bit of sea salt and avocado oil. And it's half the price of what you can get when you go to, you can get that at Whole Foods, <laughs> but yeah. uh, and it's worlds better than what you would get if you just got it at the regular supermarket Yeah, and it's delicious and simple and easy to make at home. So I think just that awareness and then going, okay, how can I start to make some of these swaps can be, can make such a difference. So thank you for mentioning those. So yeah, I guess I, want to say, I do think the food swaps, that's just such a good way to think about it because I'm not yeah. telling people not to eat oil. I'm saying use coconut oil, olive oil, and avocado oil. Those three is your go-to oils, right? You know? So mm -hmm. I think that's the thing when we start thinking about, no, I'm still going to eat. Like I had chicken Parmesan last night. I just, you know, used a, you know, this gluten-free flour and some of this organic pasta sauce. And we actually used, uh, I'm trying to think, I think it was cassava pasta, which mm. was delicious. And we made grass-fed beef and kind of made a meat sauce. And so anyways, it's just, yeah, you find those replacement swaps. So I think anyways, that's great advice. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, see, that's where I really love to to bring on guests too who have that perspective of you have a family, right? You have a wife and you've got a kiddo yeah. and you said your mom's in town. And so we we have to, we want to make these improvements to our health and our wellness. And we want to support our health, especially if we have chronic health conditions that we are working at improving, but we also have to live our lives. And it can feel sort of overwhelming to include these things, but it doesn't have to be and it can be easy. And it is just about finding kind of those, those different options. So I'm wondering if you have any more advice on kind of transitioning to more natural forms of medicine or, or more of a, um, a natural way of eating kind of in a gentle way, maybe some of the things you've experienced in your own life or things that have worked sure. for your patients. Yeah. So number one, I would say this, if there's a, if, there, if this just seems like a lot and you don't want to change, you, you don't feel like you can change everything in your diet, just change breakfast. I mean, think about this. If you just change breakfast, you're changing a third of your diet. That that's a that's thirty three percent. That's a huge transformation. So start doing a superfood collagen smoothie for breakfast. Really, just need three ingredients: coconut milk or almond milk, collagen protein or a bone broth protein, and then fruit like a cup of berries. So coconut milk, collagen protein, berries smoothie, boom, and you're getting antioxidants, you're getting fiber, you're getting some healthy fat, you're getting collagen, that best form of protein that most of us need, all of those things. So I would say start there by just changing breakfast. Number two, start to incorporate some healthy recipes in your diet and your family's diet on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be every day. Like one of the things I do in my book, I, I go through a lot of different recipes. And so one of my favorites, I got a breakfast recipe in here for blueberry pumpkin pancakes. Mm -hmm. And I, I test all the... I, I'm a pancake person. I tested a lot. And this recipe is one of the best I've ever had. In fact, my mom, like, you know, she makes it almost every weekend at home for brunch when they're down in Florida. My whole, anybody that ever tries it says, this is our new go-to sort of a uh, family breakfast on Saturday or Sunday mornings. And so, uh, and I'm just using really healthy ingredients that you can pick up almost anywhere. So again, we have recipes for that. I've got recipes for uh, cheesecake, for chocolate chip cookies only. You're not using white flour. You're using, you can use oat flour or make it more paleo with an almond and coconut flour. We give those options in there. But that being said, again, I think starting off with a smoothie, adding in some healthy recipes uh, and making it fun for the family. Like Chelsea and I will do pizza night. So we also have, we call it our ancient pizza recipe in the book where we actually, uh, you know, buy some like either beef or chicken or at Whole Foods, they have this um, uh, turkey pepperoni. And so mm -hmm. we do that on there and we get some, uh, you know, some, some cheese, some raw organic cheese there. And so we, we will have Friday pizza night and have that. So I think making it fun for the family and just in slowly incorporating some of these things is just a great thing to do as well. And then in terms of the supplements, don't feel like you need to take 30 supplements. What I would do is hey, I would again, get my book and see what is it you're struggling with? Is it hypothyroidism? Look at the list. I, I list the top five supplements, but in descending order. So if you just want to take two supplements, take the first and second, 
And that's all you need. You don't need to be taking 20. I think just a couple would go a long way. So again, I would think of it in terms of steps. You don't have to do everything. Just make a few simple changes. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So many women are breathing a sigh of relief. Like, okay, if Dr. Axe says that I can just make a couple changes and take it one step at a time, then, and you know what, that's what I've done over the years too. Personally, it was never, I mean, I've done drastic overhauls and they never last, right? It's about taking those small steps and including more of those recipes that feel good as well as taste good. And eventually you're at the point where it's like, oh, this is just, this is just the way that I eat. And then we have that support of these ancient remedies to, if we do encounter these health issues that we, we kind of know what to do. So, so great. So I just want to take a couple minutes and just talk a little bit more about kiddos because the majority of my listeners are moms and I know that you're a dad yourself. So could you share, I know we talked about probiotics, but could we do share maybe just a couple ways that we can share natural medicine with our kids in a safe way? Cause I know a lot of parents are a little bit nervous about, you know, obviously food as medicine is one thing, right? So we can mm -hmm. introduce these more natural foods to our kids, but what in terms of maybe supplements or remedies do you recommend that parents have around for kids? Yeah. So, you know, I really love essential oils here. I think, you know, if you get a cut or a burn, lavender oil is so fantastic to have on hand. I think if, uh, you know, if somebody's having like, you know, stressed as well, lavender is great. I, I do think that, um, you know, something like peppermint oil, you could teach your kids here, we're going to make homemade toothpaste with a little bit of, you know, baking soda and peppermint oil and coconut oil. I think that's a great thing to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the others we use, we just diffuse them around the house all the time. So, but I think lavender is just a great oil, generally speaking, sort of a, a, uh, you know, to have around the house to use in that way. Um, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, most culinary herbs are, completely safe and healthy. And, and, you know, after kids are typically two years old, adding those in is fine. So a little bit of cinnamon here and there into certain things, a little bit of ginger, you know, rosemary, turmeric, those things are gentle. If you just use them in real, real small amounts, I think that's totally fine and acceptable as well. So um, anyways, you know, one of the things in terms of educating kids though, I love educating them on food as medicine. Like I can tell you with my daughter, Arwen, we will uh, like, I'll show her uh, like a walnut. And I'll say, Arwen, hey, look, your walnut actually looks like your brain. So we know that this helps your brain. And I'll share, and listen, everybody may have different religious beliefs, but we, uh, we'll talk to our daughter about God and say like, God made a walnut look like a brain so that you know to eat a walnut to support your brain. You know, and Absolutely. so we'll probably go through all of the foods. We'll do that with her. We'll explain it to her. And, um, you know, th th that's, uh, that's something I, you know, I, I, let me say this. I just, I wish schools did a better job covering nutrition. It's like, okay, we're going to teach kids calculus, but we're not going to teach them what to eat, you know? And so anyways, it's, uh, that, that, that's a whole nother, I, that'd get me off on a, on a tangent there. So I won't go there, but all that being said, I think that's a great way to sort of, uh, educate your kids and talk to your kids about health is, Hey, we're going to eat this cause we want to be healthy. You know, and so like, I, you know, growing up, I, uh, you know, my family wasn't into health and I wish we were. And I think, but, but I, I ended up learning these things. So like, even with our daughter, Arwen, like we'll tell her like, Hey, we're going to do our green drink for breakfast this morning. You know, she gets older and, uh, you know, just sort of explain to them why we're eating this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed sharing with my kids too. And my seven-year-old is much more interested than my three-year-old because she is three, but she is so interested. We homeschool her right now and we actually just did a unit on the human body. And the last little bit was about nutrition. And we were just talking about, we just went through our fridge basically. And we talked about the different foods that we had in our fridge and like, you know, eggs are really high in choline and that's really great for our brain health. And we like went through all of these things too. And so I love that you have a very similar approach um, with your daughter too. So I love that. I do. I'm 100% with you. I think that they should definitely educate more on it. And uh, maybe I wouldn't have uh, struggled with so many gut issues. And <laughs> if I had known a little bit more about nutrition from this, this kind of balanced perspective of food as medicine and food as something that can help to heal us, but something that can also be delicious and joyful and, and a part of our life too. So yeah, I love that. So I have a few fun little last questions before we start to wrap up that I love to ask all of my guests. And I think you already answered one of these, but I would love to hear your answers to them if you're up for it. So the first question is, what is your favorite thing to cook? 
Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, uh, actually I mentioned chicken Parmesan and eggplant Parmesan earlier. I love Italian food. So Italian foods at the top for me. Awesome. I love Italian food too. So then what is your favorite thing? If you're going to maybe order takeout or have someone else cook for you? Wow. Um, man, I guess I can't say Italian again because we do that quite often. We actually have a restaurant here called True Food Kitchen. I love wild-caught salmon too. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of eating fish. Um, and so I do that a lot. Um, I also love mushrooms. I kind of put mushrooms on everything. So those would definitely be a, you know high on my list. Awesome. So my last and final question, because this is the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast, and we love to talk about food and movement and health in a way that is ultimately balanced. What does your beautiful balance mean to you? You know, I I think balance is about priorities, having the right priorities and spending time with those priorities. So for me, it's God, it's my family, and it's my mission in life. And so I make sure every day I wake up, I do what I call my spiritual triathlon. I spend time in gratitude. I read something like my Bible, and then I spend time in prayer and meditation. And then, uh, and then with that, I make sure I get some good quality time with my wife, uh, loves deep conversations. And uh, so we, we spend time talking and just connecting in that way. My daughter, Arwen, I make sure I get to play with her every single day. And, uh, and then I, I get to live up my life mission, but I really think that it's about pr- not just balance. I think it's in, in a way it's balanced, but it's more, Hey, writing down, knowing what your priorities are and then devoting time to those and make sure, making sure those are building and growing. And I think for me, I've really been able to focus and do that. And I think for me, that's you know, led to me feeling really fulfilled and fruitful in life. Oh my gosh. What a great way to end. What an awesome answer. Thank you so much, Dr. Axe. So I'm going to go ahead and link to your brand new book and your website and all your social and all that in the show notes. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to talk with us. This was fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Kristen. It was an honor being on. I just want to say, yeah, if, if people want to find out and learn more, uh, they can follow me. It's at Dr. Josh Axe on Instagram or Facebook. And check out my wife. She's at Dr. Chelsea Axe too. And also right now, I think this week only Amazon's got $7 off the book. And I think people are going to see just big results with it. And again, hey, I yeah, I love the interview. It was so fun being on. And thanks so much for uh, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.